You're listening to a podcast of local news from the County of Suffolk in the United Kingdom. This is brought to you by the St. Edmundsbury News Talk Association, a UK registered charity. Hello and welcome to the 1915th edition of St Edinburgh News Talk for the 10th of February 2023. The editor of this edition is Mary Grenville, the producer is Pat Needham and your readers are Val Fletcher and Adrian Grenville. We should also mention our processing team who work hard behind the scenes to copy and dispatch this memory stick to you and we commence with the headlines. Chocolate factory sets Easter date. Primary school set to lay off 15 staff due to budget shortfall. Campaigners aim to make a difference for town's youth. Free dental charity visit Numbs Pain. Back to the first headline. Chocolate factory sets Easter date. Jobs up for grabs at confectionery site. South Suffolk will soon be enjoying the delightful aroma of chocolate in the air with the opening of a new chocolate factory due by Easter. The factory in Glemsford near Sudbury at the old Phillips Avant Baby Products factory site will begin manufacturing liquid and solid chocolate from April. A Malaysian company GCB, that is Guan Chong Berhad, Coco are keen to recruit their new workforce. This is good news for locals affected by the closure of Phillips Avent in July 2020, which affected 425 jobs. Councillor Stephen Plum, ward member for Glemsford, said, It is good news. We need employment for the area, which has suffered greatly since Phillips Avent closed two years ago, one of the biggest employers in Suffolk. MP for South Suffolk, James Cartledge, added, It's fantastic news that one of the world's leading cocoa companies will be producing high-quality chocolate in the heart of our rural district. In these challenging economic times, it's vital that we remember the many economic, economic positive stories that are happening. Primary school set to lay off 15 staff due to budget shortfall. A primary school in Suffolk is said to be planning sack nearly half its teaching assistants and midday supervisors due to an unforeseen budget shortfall. Pot Kiln Primary School in Great Cornard, Sudbury, is planning to lay off up to 15 of its 36 classroom assistants and supervisors, Unison has claimed. The school is blaming the unforeseen budget shortfall of £75,000 and flagging student numbers. Pot Kilns claims it has more teaching assistants per student than any other schools. The UK's largest union, Unison, however, has said that the high number of teaching assistants is due to the above average number of students with special educational needs, SEN. The union said that many of the threatened staff work one-to-one, full-time with SEN pupils, so reduction in these numbers could seriously damage their education. 
the school estimates that student numbers will fall by about 8% over the next four years, leading to a drop in income. Unison says reducing support staff members by around 40% is a massive overreaction that will be bound to disrupt student learning. News comes just a day after there were mass teacher strikes around the country, with hundreds marching through Ipswich on February the 1st. Potkiln Primary School has been approached for comment, but no one has yet received any at a time of going to print. Campaigners aim to make a difference for town's youth. A series of workshops and roadshows aimed at engaging with young people in Haverhill is being put together, with knife crime the first hot topic to be addressed. The project is the work of the Matilda Rose Action Squad, a group of volunteers that has previously carried out campaigns helping people hit by the pandemic lockdowns, getting essential supplies to those affected by the war in Ukraine and providing Christmas presents to hard-pressed families in Haverhill. Now, though, the Action Squad is focusing on the town's youth, as its founder and owner of the Withersfield Road Salon, from which it takes its name, Jamie Nunn, explained. He said, I think everyone thinks it is in response to the awful events that happened recently, i.e. the fatal stabbing in Haverhill of 16-year-old Harley Barfield. But to be fair, it's something that we've been working on for the last couple of months. We are incredibly busy reaching out to people that know these areas inside out. We approached all of them and said, what can we do? How can we approach it and make a difference? Jamie credited his assistant, Nadia Mulgrave, 23, as being the one to come up with the concept for the project, which will see topics covered one by one, starting with knife crime and moving on to others such as alcohol and drug awareness and internet safeguarding. Volunteers are undertaking extensive training, including a Level 3 youth work course and will work with experienced youth workers in Haverhill, as well as the teams at The Zone, Castle Manor Academy and others. The aim is to deliver a series of workshops and roadshows supported by youth workers and experts in specific fields such as the anti-knife crime charity the Ben Kinsella Trust named in memory of a 16-year-old boy that was fatally stabbed in London. A social media and video campaign will accompany each topic and a series of hard-hitting posters created by Nadia and using the slogan Lives Not Knives has been put up in the salon's windows and posted on social media. Free dental charity visit Numbs Plain. Mercy Mission Relief for Patients. Suffolk dental patients have described their relief that a Dentaid mobile clinic has visited their town. It was the global dental charity's fifth visit to Suffolk when they set up a clinic at St Gregory's Church in Sudbury yesterday to provide free emergency treatment for patients. Suffolk County Councillor Jesse Carter, who represents Sudbury, contacted the charity after being approached by patients who said they had been unable to access dental care locally. 
Dentaid spokesman Jill Harding said, We have had school about 50 people visit. Julie Guile from Long Melford was among the 50 patients who were seen by the charity team and described how she'd been taking paracetamol and ibuprofen painkillers four times a day to relieve the pain since the problems with her tooth started three months ago. She said, I tried to pay to go to privately, but there were no spaces anywhere, not until July, and that doesn't help me on the moment, so I called NHS 111, and they told me about this service today. Another patient, Gary Shaw, said he'd had a tooth out and had received a brilliant service, while Shelley Bradford had similar treatment and described her experience at the clinic as amazing. We're moving from the headlines now to the general news. Wildlife Trust's backing plea for the wilds. A Suffolk conservation charity has called on the government to properly fund its aspiration that everyone in England should live within 15 minutes of green space or water. Sarah Holman, head of engagement at Suffolk Wildlife Trust, supported the blueprint for cleaning up air and water and boosting nature, announcing earlier this week, but said the plans needed to be backed up by money and planning policy. The Trust is currently looking to raise £1 million for a new nature reserve, known as Martlesham Wilds, on a 300-acre site on the banks of the River Deben, and has so far collected £250,000. The Government has pledged to provide money to protect rare wildlife, such as hedgehogs and red squirrels, but she said Martlesham Wilds was not set to be supported by the initiative. She added, we entirely support the proposals, but, as ever, these aspirations need to be supported by funding and planning policy. Our new nature reserve, Martlesham Wilds, would not be supported by the initiative, but it is exactly the sort of project that should be. She agreed with the government's assessment that being able to connect with nature provided benefits to health and well-being, which was one of the main motivations behind the blueprint, along with the economic benefits. As Sir David Attenborough says, no one will protect what they don't care about, and no one will care about what they have never experienced. It is vital, therefore, that people can have access to nature and wild spaces, and that wildlife becomes part of everyone's daily lives. As we lose our wildlife and wild spaces, we lose the connections we so desperately need. This has to change, she added. Andrea set for first UK shows. An artist who has swapped Pakistan for Ruffham and has shown her work in Paris and Islamabad is bringing her art to Bury St Edmunds in one of her first UK exhibitions. Alexandria Noir, who was born in Karachi, will be showcasing four contemporary large canvas, one measuring nine feet, as well as a collection of prints in her show called Defying Junctures in the Apex Gallery from February the 14th. This introductory show, giving people in the UK their first taste of what she does, will then lead on to a full exhibition in Albra on April the 4th. Alexandria said 
my Sudbury-born husband and I moved from Islamabad to Ruffham in July last year. My work is quite well established in Europe, USA and Asia, but the UK is a completely new place for me. Defying junctures will show some of my older and newer pieces to express my transition over four or five years of my career and show how my work has evolved. Self-taught and an established painter since 1989, Exandria was named as one of Pakistan's top 15 minimalist artists in 2019, following her exhibition Moi à la Monde in Parfait at the French Embassy, Islamabad. The artist, who had her first show at the age of 17, was also chosen by the Pakistan Embassy in Paris last year to showcase a solo exhibition on August the 14th, commemorating the 75th anniversary of Pakistan's independence and being declared a sovereign state. Talking about her art going up in the apex, Alexandria said it's not the usual art that they show there because they've become more representational art normally. But I think this is why they seemed very excited to show my work. My art is all about connecting and relating in some way with the people looking into the pieces. Even those that do not fully understand abstract art will find something that I like and what I do. A Suffolk business is celebrating four months in bigger premises, thanking the community for its support. Painter's Cafe in Sudbury has moved from a small cafe on Gainsborough Street to a pub with a garden, now hosting events and birthday parties. Four months on from moving into the new space in the Angel Pub on Friars Street, husband and wife Alan Ramos and Tracy Cleet say that costs have been rising with the new space, but they are still booked up. We had our lovely cafe for four years, and then we outgrew it, said Miss Cleet. We anticipated that bills would rise about three times as much, but it is now about six to seven times as much. With the bigger premises, we have a bigger place to heat up. We put our prices up as a percentage, but no one has mentioned anything about it. In their larger premises, the coffee shop is now able to host events such as baby showers and hen and birthday parties without needing to close down the entire venue. The local community has been so good to us. Neighbours of people we do not know will drop off some old china or offer to help paint. It is so lovely. Five playgrounds to receive £220,000 upgrades by summer. Five play areas in West Suffolk will be upgraded in time for the school holidays in a £220,000 project across Bury St Edmunds, Haverhill, Mildenhall and Newmarket. The five new sites are St James's Park, Morton Hall, Gainsborough Recreation Ground, Bury St Edmunds, Peterhouse Close, Milton Hall, Henry Close, Haverhill, Charles Street, Granby Street, Newmarket. St James's Park will see the installation of a more diverse range of equipment in a slightly larger, more accessible space. The cable way at Gainsborough Recreation Ground is to be replaced and a senior multi-play unit 
is set to be installed. Peterhouse Close is to be completely refurbished, while both Henry Close and Granby Street will receive a refresh with spaces for younger children. Though separate to the £220,000 council project, another play area to see an upgrade this year is in the Abbey Gardens, Berries and Edmonds, which is managed by Historic England. After a routine independent inspection at the beginning of last year's school holidays, this playground was closed after an inspection had found it had become degraded. The contract has been awarded and it is hoped that the work can commence as soon as Historic England give consent. Councillor Joe Rayner, Cabinet Member for Leisure, Heritage and Community Hubs said, Play areas support our children's health and well-being, so making them safe, appealing places to exercise and play is an important one. Occasionally, misuse or wear and tear may mean a well-loved piece of equipment cannot be used, and I completely appreciate the upset this causes. We own and maintain over 100 play areas across West Suffolk, and the programme of upgrades and regular safety inspections make sure that the equipment is in good working order to enjoy by families. The builds on each site will vary, but West Suffolk Council is aiming to start with a minimum delay so the play sites are ready for use during the school, summer, holiday period. A school choir has enjoyed the amazing experience of singing with Heather Small at London's O2 Arena alongside thousands of other children. The 29 pupils from Westgate Community Primary School in Bury St Edmunds took part in a Young Voices concert on Tuesday, singing amongst 9,000 other children from schools around the country. They sang a range of songs from a Trolls pop medley to being backing singers for Heather Small. They also experienced being beatboxes with the Beatbox Collective and danced the night away with the street dance crew Urban Strides. One of the Westgate children described it as the best school trip ever. And there's a lovely photograph of all the children smiling for the camera. Let's make pavements a bit safer, writes Andrew Sprake from Bury St Edmunds. I find it interesting that Councillor Sarah Mildmay-White should cite safety reasons when commenting on the proposed rickshaw taxi service. It would appear that councillors are usually oblivious to such matters, judging by the hundreds if not thousands of broken and frankly lethal paving stones, potholes and non-working streetlights within the area. Only recently in the Berry Free Press there were two items with regards to older people falling in the town, one clearly stating an uneven paving slab as the cause. This poor lady, it stated, suffered a fractured hip, having had to lay for hours in the freezing weather because no ambulance was available, and only then apparently being transported to hospital in a car. It may be worth the council noting that the one-year mortality rate for hip fractures in the elderly can be in excess of the 30% bone joint resolutions and restitutions 2017. Perhaps now, with her obvious interest in the subject, Councillor Mildmay-White can be persuaded 
and can persuade the council to make Bury St Edmunds a safer place, especially for the older generation. Dismayed by Bishop's views, and this is from Edwin Edwards of Brantham. I was dismayed to read the report headlined Bishop's Support Church's Move to Adopt Same-Sex Marriage, which was in the East Anglian Daily Times of January the 24th, because I expected the local Anglican bishops to uphold a traditional view of Christian marriage. As a native of Suffolk going back many generations and reflecting on my long life, I became a Roman Catholic in Australia in my late teens, I would suggest to the bishops they are separating themselves from settled Christian teaching on marriage and indeed from the views of a majority in the worldwide Anglican Communion. As Christianity loses its hold in our country, eventually members of other faiths may come to predominate in culture and politics with no place for same-sex marriage. Lovely reminder of old packaging. Karen Cannard's article on packaging from the Berry Free Press, January the 27th, led me to recall the pleasure I experienced as a child watching the cutting up, weighing and packaging of so many items that today arrive in the shops already packaged and priced. For example, the bacon slicing machine was a work of art in itself, capable of cutting however many slices and whatever thickness you wished, leaving the operator a fresh packaging task per customer and going on whatever cheese you had chosen to be cut up with a wheel or truckle due to the triangular shape to be wrapped, a particularly difficult item to cope with. Last, but not least, my particular favourite was to watch how, from a very large mound of butter, the salesman would cut with uncanny accuracy almost always the perfect half a pound and then, using a pair of wooden pats, place the butter in a pre-cut sheet of greaseproof paper and hand-wrap it with such expertise that you would be forgiven for thinking the finished product had been created by a machine. Today, unless you're lucky enough to have an independent butcher, baker or even a greengrocer, personal shopping, which goes hand in glove with personal service, has largely disappeared from the shopping experience, wrote Brian Davis of Bury St Edmunds. Colin Rossini from Dovercourt writes, Given Boris Johnson's infidelity with the truth, I wait eagerly for him to provide evidence in the form of telephone records that Putin threatened him with death via a missile strike. Hopelessly optimistic, I suspect this again is Boris moonlighting with his vanity, believing that he really matters. We're lucky to have a wonderful NHS, writes Lawrence Thompson from Rickinghall. When I took a tumble at home late in the evening and split my head open, the treatment I received from the NHS was exemplary. From Sam and her girl power ambulance crew, who whisked me to the West Suffolk Hospital straight into the very busy A&E department, where the medical team processed me as quickly as possible, including blood test. ECG, CTI scan, and Dr Jim, who deftly stapled together my gaping head wound, I was treated with skill and compassion and, most important, reassurance. To all of you, you have my profound thanks. 
When all we seem to hear are stories of NHS failing, my experience proves just how lucky we are to have such wonderful, dedicated professionals looking after us so well. Thank you, Lawrence Thompson, for writing. Change law to help abuse survivors is the headline from Kim Harrison. She's Executive Committee Member, the Association of Personal Injury Lawyers from Nottingham. This Sexual Abuse and Sexual Violence Awareness Week, which runs from February the 6th to the 12th, serves as a reminder that the government must take urgent action to help survivors of past child sexual abuse. Currently, the law dictates that survivors who wish to bring civil claims against their abusers must do so within three years of the abuse, or within three years of turning 18 if they were abused as a child. The Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse, and for short that is IICSA, in their final report investigating historical sexual abuse in England and Wales, they recommended removing this three-year time limit, and for good reason. Many survivors of childhood sexual abuse find it difficult to seek justice within the time frame allowed by the law. Trauma, shame, mistrust in authorities and fear are some of the very valid reasons why people hold back on speaking out, let alone take the step to seek justice. For survivors to be willing finally to go through the ordeal of proving their cases, only to then discover they were not quick enough to act, can be devastating for them. The Scottish Government removed this time bar in 2017. The government in Westminster must now implement IICSA's recommendation without delay. Police Museum must be retained, writes Graham Day from Stowmarket. I was very pleased to see that Eric Hope of Bury St Edmunds had received the British Empire Medal in the New Year's Honours List for his outstanding contribution to Suffolk Constabulary. Eric is also a volunteer at the Suffolk Constabulary Museum at Martlesham. I visited the museum twice. It was fascinating to see the vast range of exhibits focusing on all aspects of policing in our county over the years. My late father, being in reserve occupation as an engineer during the Second World War, also worked as a police constable, often regaling us as children with stories of his time on the wartime beat. However... Any further details of his wartime police service remained shrouded in mystery until, on my first visit, I found a photograph of him in a police station in Spring Road, Ipswich. I'm now concerned that our police and crime commissioner is now actively investigating the sale of the headquarters as a site for residential development, but as yet proposals have not been accepted by the local planning authority, but no doubt in time they will be. I hope that any scheme the Commissioner is making alternative provision for the museum to be located and accessible to the public. It would be a complete tragedy if this dedicated work of Eric and his colleagues was put into cold storage, never to be seen again. I buried my father in 1973 and I do not wish to see him buried again. Congratulations again to Eric, but I am concerned over the potential fate 
of an excellent museum. And our final letter this week is headlined Befrienders Visiting Homes and it's written by Tony Gearing, MBE and he is the founder and chief executive of YOPI. YOPI is a Suffolk charity that recruits, trains and supports young people to visit care home residents living with dementia and residents who are just old and frail. One of our Yopi Dementia Befrienders schemes featured in the East Anglian Daily Times and the Ipswich Star recently. The young people record their visits and we collate these reports for care homes to show the Care Quality Commission. Our schemes have contributed to care homes being upgraded by CQC inspectors. We have been donated most of the funds we need to run one more Yopi Dementia Befrienders scheme in Suffolk in 2023. If you have a loved one or work in a Suffolk care home, please let the owner or manager know about the scheme. If they can make up the balance, we could be running a scheme in your home. If your home is interested, email me on tony at yopi.org or via our website www.yopi.org and Yopi is spelt Y-O-P-E. P.S. In case you're wondering, Yopi is short for Young People of the Year. Now we're moving on to some features. Here is one that is titled An Architect with Style. The famous designer and architect Robert Adam, 1728-92, was born in Kirkcaldy, Fife, but has a notable connection to Bury St Edmunds. The son of William Adam, also an architect, Robert went to Edinburgh University but left prematurely in 1745 to help his father's business, which was under heavy strain. His father died in 1748 and Robert and his brother John, also an architect, took over. By 1954, the business was doing so well that Robert went on the grand tour of Europe. He returned to England in 1757 and set up business in London. Major patrons were fellow Scots, the Duke of Argyll and Lord Bute. George III's first minister, Robert, was given the newly created post of architect of the King's Works with a salary of £300 per year, a tidy sum in those days. Although Robert was, for over 30 years, one of the busiest architects in the country. His work concentrated on what we term largely today as being a designer, as most of the great mansions of the day had already been built for the gentry. Rarely did he have the opportunity to build a house from foundations to finish. From 1760 to 80, he was the most fashionable architect in the country. In his later years, was eclipsed by notable architects such as James Wyatt. Consequently, Robert was confined to carrying out work in Scotland. He was asked to carry out works on a house for Professor John Simmons, Professor of Modern History at Cambridge University. And according to Simmons' diary, the foundation stone was laid on April the 12th, 1773. This property, the drawing room of which was a fine example of Adam's work, became known as St Edmund's Hill, now Morton Hall. Then the Mount, hence today's Mount Road. One thing that always puzzled me is where the name Morton Hall came from. 
It's a one in the wonderful Soane Museum in Lincoln's Inn Fields. The Adam collection there includes two chimney pieces designed for St Edmunds Hill. Impressed by Adam's work, the Berry Corporation employed him to rebuild the Market Cross in collaboration with local stonemason Thomas Singleton. This was carried out in 1774 and 5. Much of Adam's work has been copied. For instance, there's Adam-style ballroom in the Athenaeum. Robert Adam died suddenly on March the 3rd, 1792 and is buried in Westminster Abbey. And my feature is about a playwright who helps prisoners pen their own scripts, including a feature film. A Berry St Edmunds playwright who has spent over a decade teaching script writing to prisoners is hoping to change misconceptions with her new play. Danusia Iwasko, aged 65, has lived in Suffolk for 20 years, but has been working with prisoners for 15 years. Miss Iwasko recalled one of many success stories in which one of the inmates initially said he would only attend to escape the cells. Over time, he ended up writing a full-length screenplay entitled The Archbishop and the Antichrist, which was released as a feature film called The Forgiven in 2018 starring Forrest Whitaker and Eric Barner. Initially, she was approached by the Synergy Theatre Project to teach in Hollersley Bay Prison near Woodbridge. I wasn't sure, as I'd never been into a prison, but I thought I'd give it a go, she said. I've worked with murderers, I've worked with terrorists, I've worked with people who have been charged with less serious crimes. But the plays they've all produced are stunning. She has worked in a variety of prisons, from top security institutes to open prisons, but says that there are budding playwrights in every environment. At the beginning, I thought they'd never learn, said Miss Iwasko, but the self-confidence transformation is stunning. She noted that 51% of incoming prisoners have literacy problems, but this doesn't hold them back from creating new worlds and also helps lower the reoffending rate. Over the last year and a half, she has been working on Penned Up, a play based on her experience with teaching script writing in male prisons, which she hopes will show their humanity, not their crime. She added, I hope that the audience will care enough to question locking them up and throwing away the key. The script in hand reading of Penned Up will take place at the Theatre Royal, Bury St Edmunds, on Monday, February the 20th. And now for some more general news. A new family-run pie and mash shop is opening in a Suffolk town this weekend. The new Gainsborough pie and mash shop opens its doors for business. Run by a Long Melford father and son, Pie and Mash shops have been part of the family for generations. Now they're planning to bring the businesses to Suffolk. Stacey McDowell, 45, will be in the kitchen, making fresh pies every day with his 13-year-old son, Oscar McDowell. They are from a family of pie makers originally part of the East End of London. Mr McDowell said, I've always wanted to do this. When it is your great grandparents running a pie shop 
then your granddad, and then your dad, you feel like you should be doing your own one as well. It's never actually yours until you open your own. I'm bringing it to Suffolk. It's something different. I just hope people like it. He has experience running other pie shops, including McDowell's Pie and Mash Shop in Romford, and his family has run other shops, such as the Heath Pie Shop in Dagenham. The family group then split to run their own shops, but Mr Stacey said that although his family are busy in their other shops, they still get involved in his shop. Mr McDowell added that he's excited for the opening and has also been working on preparing the shop. The pie and mash shop will open at 4 Gainsborough Street, where Dixon and Young Pie and Mash used to be before closing down last year. A half a dozen fire crews were called to a blaze in Elmrone, Sudbury at about 1.45am on Wednesday. On arrival, crews from Sudbury asked for assistance from nearby stations, including Long Melford and Colchester. Pictures posted on social media by Sudbury Fire Station show the home has been severely damaged as a result of the fire. Crews used four breathing apparatus and two hose reel jets, one covering jet, and a positive pressure ventilation fan when tackling the fire. The fire is believed to have been caused by a laptop that was on charge. Suffolk Fire and Rescue Service is reminding people to not leave items on charge unattended and to always leave them on a solid service so they don't overheat. In a post on Facebook, Sudbury Fire Station said, We have seen a dramatic rise in building fires. Please regularly check your smoke alarms. As seen last night, these can save your life. Nobody was injured as a result of the fire. Now, another pie and a mash story. A single dad is hoping to leave his universal credit days behind him and fulfil his dreams by opening a new pie and a mash shop in Newmarket. Wayne Jensen, 41, moved to Six Mile Bottom with his two children, Rosie, 8, and Tommy, 3, in March last year. Mr Jensen says he'd like to bring something different to Newmarket to help spice up the town and fundraising to open a new pie and mash shop. Such a lovely place, it looks so run down, he said. Every time I drive through, it just hasn't got the wow factor. After posting on Facebook to gauge interest and internet in his pie and mash concept, Mr Jensen was overwhelmed by the number of people who supported his vision. I did not expect that reaction, he said. I think a lot of people in Newmarket have moved to Suffolk from London, so pies are a very traditional thing. There's another food one coming up as well, and this is for Berry St Edmunds. A New York-style cookie, craft coffee and bubble tea shop is set to open in Bury St Edmunds. Ben Stamp plans to open Cookie Barista in St John Street later this month. It's the second branch of the store, which Ben launched at a shopping centre in Ipswich two years ago. Cookies are the shop's speciality, but it will be the first shop selling bubble tea in town. You'll find bubble tea in bigger towns and cities, and it's great to bring it to West Suffolk, said Ben from Ipswich. It originated in Taiwan, 
but is now popular in America and the bigger towns and cities in the UK. There are two kinds, fruit-based and milk-based. The milk-based tea includes brown, sugar, chewy, tapioca balls, while the fruit-based version has popping boba or fruit-filled fruit jelly balls oh, that melt in your mouth, releasing the flavour. We will be offering around 200 varieties and combinations with fruit flavours including kiwi, strawberry, mango, passion fruit and watermelon. <laughs> Continuing the food theme. A dancer turned baker from Berry St Edmunds says preparing to open her own bakery in Newmarket feels like, like a dream. Jessie Ricks, 25, is currently preparing to open up her new bakery, Little Jessie's, at the beginning of next month. Having operated from a converted horse trailer serving the market in Bury St Edmunds, Little Jessie's popularity grew and she spotted an opportunity to expand her horizons by opening up a takeaway shop. All the baking is done by myself in store, she added. My main loves are the cakes and gooey brownies but I also have a different selection each week with cheesecakes, cookies and croissants and my own bread. Barry St Edmund's gift card has topped £100,000 in sales. The gift card is amongst the fastest to reach its target since they were launched in towns and cities across the country. According to Business Improvement District, bid for short, our Berry St Edmunds, which launched the card, shopper footfall levels are also in good shape. It increased by nearly 20% in 2022 compared to 2021 and was also up on the 2019 figure before the pandemic struck. Mark Cordell, Chief Executive Officer at our Berry St Edmunds, said, we know that times are still extremely challenging for everyone, which will, of course, affect businesses and customers alike. However, I am heartened by the footfall figures that show people are still visiting the town centre, and the increase since 2019 is especially pleasing, so that bucks the national trend where the figure is down by nearly 17%. It's also encouraging to see the rate of vacant units at less than half the national average and I am hopeful that in due course new businesses will be found for some of the 6.5% of premises currently empty. The Our Berry St Edmunds gift card was launched at the end of October 2020. It can be bought at a number of outlets in the town centre as well as from the Our Berry St Edmunds website. More local food. A Thurston pub owner is expanding his horizons to open the Little Fox Deli, a new takeaway sandwich shop opposite his existing business. Andy Bendel, 42, was born and raised in Suffolk and has also owned the Thurston Fox and Hounds across the street from the new shop for four years. I've lived in the village all my life, he said. I saw that the unit opposite the pub was for sale and I thought I could extend its potential. Since opening last week, Mr Bendel says one of the most popular things have been their homemade sausage rolls made with sausage meat from a local butcher. 
He's also installed a coffee machine and hopes the Delhi customers will make full use of the pub gardens during the summer months. Mr Bendel added, I've seen our community grow and want to give local people something they can access from the village rather than have to go into town. Manager Lavinia has been kept on from the previous business, Oh Crumbs Sandwich Bar, and will continue to serve customers under the new management. A group of whistleblowing paramedics have spoken out about problems at the East of England Ambulance Trust, and this is a report. Paramedics say they feel defeated with morale at an all-time low over a number of issues at the region's Ambulance Trust. In a whistleblowing letter sent to the Berry Free Press, a group of West Suffolk paramedics working at the East of England Ambulance Service NHS Trust have raised several concerns, including working conditions that are leaving them dangerously fatigued. They said the trust was too big and the management too poor to function effectively, and they feel very little, if anything, had changed on the grounds since it was rated as requires improvement by the Care Quality Commission in July. In response, the Trust said it took staff concerns seriously and its recent Care Quality Commission inspection showed it was moving in the right direction, but there was much work to be done to address long-standing issues with a plan in place to do so. In their letter, the paramedics said leaders are still lacking in visibility and do not take staff concerns seriously. There is a distinct lack of support and respect and we as a staff do not feel valued at all. Morale is at an all-time low and in the past two to three years in particular staff have left in droves. Almost all of which cite burnout, feeling unsupported, better work-life balance and training support elsewhere. Nothing is being done to change the working environment for the better and so staff continue to feel defeated and unhappy. Frustration was compounded by the length of time paramedics were having to wait outside hospitals until they could transfer patients from their ambulances. The longest the paramedic had waited outside a hospital was seven hours about three weeks ago. They knew of staff who could spend their whole 12-hour shift outside a hospital. They added, I wanted to do something where I could help people. You feel you're not able to do your job effectively. A huge bone of contention for the paramedics is a multi-million pound ambulance hub to be built at Suffolk Park in Bury St Edmunds. The Trust said the hub, which is costing between £7 and £10 million, and is due to open by summer 2024, will feature a vehicle workshop, an outside gym, quiet spaces, a well-being garden and pond, kitchen and dining area, as well as training rooms. But the paramedics said that all outlying stations would shut in West Suffolk, including Sudbury, Mildenhall, Newmarket and Thetford, as well as potentially Stowmarket and Haverhill. This will result in significant delays to rural areas as there will be no ambulances at the start and finish times located in that area, they said. It would also mean staff who worked from those stations would be expected to drive to Bury 
increasing travel times for staff. This will put staff further at risk of burnout. A Suffolk clergyman has called on the government to do more to help families in the county who are choosing between heating and eating. The Right Reverend Martin Seeley, Bishop of St Edmundsbury in Ipswich, spoke in the House of Lords after warning in the EADT in October that 100,000 households in Suffolk were set to experience fuel poverty this winter. He cited figures from charity organisation Suffolk Community Foundation and said the situation was worse in the county because 29% of properties were off-grid for gas and therefore unable to benefit from the government's cap on gas bills. He said affected families may not be able to access information about help and support for fuel bills. Speaking in the Lords on Tuesday, Bishop Martin sought help for vulnerable households with energy costs and clarity about the role of Ofgem in delivering affordable energy. He told peers he was voicing concerns raised by clergy and churches in Suffolk who were at the front line of helping people in Suffolk. He said one of the biggest challenges that vulnerable households are facing as they try to pay their energy bills is accessing information, particularly when it is available only online. Thank you. Thank you. Plans have been approved to reinstate four thatched cottages just days after a second fire ripped through five homes in the same Suffolk village. Thatched linked cottages in Hengrave near Bury St Edmunds will be reinstated after a fire destroyed them in April last year. A total of 26 appliances and 85 fighters were caught to tackle the blaze on Monday, April the 25th, and all persons in the two-storey property were accounted for. The planning application requested permission for a like-for-like -like restoration of the Grade 2 listed cottages, while properties number 5 and 6 applied to extend their existing accommodation to add another floor. The proposals were approved just days after a second fire of the same kind ripped through more Hengrave properties on Wednesday, January the 25th. Five houses were impacted, four seeing severe damage, but no injuries were reported as residents were evacuated in the early hours. The Hengrave community were devastated and parish councillor Janet Davis said it was a tragedy that two fires had occurred in the village in the space of a year. Call for urgent action over dangerous Rat Run Road. Awful, terrible, a nightmare and chaos. These are just some of the terms shopkeepers used to describe St Andrews Street South in Bury St Edmunds this week. Calls are now being made for measures to control traffic along the length of the road described as an accident waiting to happen. To start, we need a proper crossroads, or at least two pedestrian crossings at the junction of St Andrews Street South, Kings Road and Woolhall Street. A 20 mile an hour speed limit on traffic calming, said Gavin Ashley, who runs Gavin Ashley Hair Salon on Kings Road. Then there needs to be measures along the rest of St Andrews Street, 
along past the back of the apex, such as retractable bollards with digital permits to allow taxis, buses and deliveries only in this pedestrian-only pedestrian zone. This is regularly used as a rat run by motorists or simply as drive-through for Burger King at one end and Tesco Express at the other. The call has been backed by a number of businesses along the road, including Vespers Bar, Denny's, Oaks Barn Pub and Neptune at the south end. Joe Denny said cars regularly fly around the corner onto Kings Road and staff expect an accident every day. Shopkeepers along the length of the road were united in the call for a greater police presence along the road. A spokesperson for Suffolk Police said, We urge anyone with concerns, including highlighting areas where they believe there will be a problem with speeding, to contact their local Safer Neighbourhood team. Birdwatcher has late visitor for charity survey. A photographer from Bury St Edmunds who has taken part in the RSPB's Big Garden Birdwatch has had an interesting visitor, 24 hours too late. Robert Robertson spent the weekend tracking a variety of birds ready to submit his findings to help the conservation charity monitor our feathered friends in the face of the nature and climate crisis. But on opening his curtains Monday morning, he had a sparrowhawk come to see him a day too late for the survey. Bury St Edmunds Rotary Club has presented the My Wish charity with a cheque for £3,200 raised in an online auction. Held before Christmas... The event had more than 100 lots donated with more than £7,200 shared with charities in the areas. Rotary President Jill Boardman and Nick Hardy, chairperson of the fundraising committee, gave the cheque to My Wish fundraising manager Sally Daniels. My Wish, West Suffolk Hospital charity, will be allocating the money the specialist community neurology physiotherapist to assist patients living with Parkinson's disease. The specialist equipment that will be brought will help patients with mobility issues and help prevent the risks of falling. Tree planted in memory of the Queen. When plums are one day picked from a new tree planted in a Haverhill Park, each one will be a reminder of our longest reigning monarch. Last Wednesday, the Coe's Golden Drop, which is a Suffolk bread plum tree, was planted in the orchard at East Town Park in memory of the late Queen Elizabeth II, who died last year. The tree and an accompanying plaque was unveiled by the Mayor of Haverhill, Councillor Bruce Davidson, joined by West Suffolk Council staff, members of the Friends of East Town Park and Haverhill and Twin Towers Association committee member Joe Hammond. A woman from Haverhill who was sexually abused as a child has bravely shared her story and urged her fellow survivors to ask for help. Organisations around the country are marking It's Not OK Week, which seeks to raise awareness of sexual abuse and sexual violence. Ellie from Haverhill, who prefers not to give her last name, 
was raped by two men when she was just 13. I didn't tell anyone because I felt like it was my fault, explained Ellie, now 23. Her parents became increasingly worried as Ellie's behaviour changed and discovered the abuse months later when they read her diary. I was in shock because I didn't know anyone knowing. I was scared that nobody would believe me, Ellie said. At first she spoke to a private psychologist. She was awful. She asked why, how I was dressed, making out that I should have avoided the abuse, said Ellie. Things changed when she began having therapy with a charity, A Brave Futures, or Fresh Start, New Beginnings, as it was then known. With their support, Ellie was able to process her abuse. It was a long time until I accepted it wasn't my fault, said Ellie. The idea of group therapy is intimidating, but a lot of people find it a great comfort. A Bury St Edmunds woman has spoken of her immense pride after she was selected to represent her town at the 2023 UK Hair and Beauty Awards. Phoebe Robson, aged 24, has been hairdressing for a year and trains at the London Hair Academy, which she attends weekly. She entered herself in the Best New Talent category and had to write about her journey, her achievements and why she thought she was deserving of a title for the application. I wasn't expecting to be chosen as a finalist, she said. My parents, Rob and Lisa, were extremely proud and felt I was deserving of the title due to all the hard work they have seen me putting into my hairdressing journey. The UK Hair and Beauty Awards take place in Birmingham in April, but as the event is already sold out, Miss Robson will be hosting a gathering with friends and family to live-stream it from her home. We are coming to the end of this edition of St Edmundsbury News Talk. If you have any comments about the memory stick or difficulty playing it, please use the phone number on the pink sheet which you have been given. Alternatively, you can put a note in the pouch when you return the memory stick to us. We would like to acknowledge our appreciation to the Berry Free Press, East Anglian Daily Times, Haverhill Echo and Newmarket Journal from whom, whose pages, most of our items have been taken. News Talk will be back again next week. So until then, from Pat, Val, Adrian and Mary, it's goodbye. Goodbye. listening to a podcast brought to you by the St Edmundsbury News Talk Association. You can view more information about News Talk on our website at www.stedmundsburynewstalk.org.uk. The music in this podcast was provided under Creative Commons license by Scott Holmes. This podcast was created entirely by volunteers in our Bury St Edmunds studio.